Welcome to your High Vibration Life podcast with Robin Openshaw, also known online as the Green Smoothie Girl. When you're living your high vibration life, you're healthier in every way. You're more productive, creative, peaceful, and loving. Your high vibration life is calling. And now your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw and welcome back to your high vibration life. And today I am extra excited because one of my heroes and early influences in my work studying the body's electromagnetic fields and how energies affect absolutely everything in our life is Dr. Stephen Sinatra. He is a board certified cardiologist and an assistant clinical professor of medicine at the University of Connecticut School of Medicine. But more, he is certified as a bioenergetic psychotherapist. So a man of my own heart, you know that I am a psychotherapist as well. And I really believe that our energies have everything to do with our physical health, but also our emotional health and getting unstuck from the negative cycles of our getting emotionally stuck. So Dr. Sinatra is quoted just everywhere. And we've been we've been trying to get an interview with him for a long time. He is a nutrition and anti-aging specialist, and he integrates psychological, nutraceutical, and electroceutical therapies in his matrix of healing. So we're going to get into a little bit more about that. And at the end, we'll have him tell us where we can all learn more about him. But he's the founder of HeartMD Institute. Dot com And he is really dedicated to promoting public awareness about the whole concept here at our podcast about high vibrational living and the, the foods and the practices and the medicine, integrative medicine, but high vibrational medicine. So he's a fellow in the American College of Cardiology and the American College of Nutrition. Welcome, Dr. Sinatra. Oh, it's nice to be here, Robin. And thanks so much for that really lovely introduction. Well, I'm excited to have you because I bet you are very familiar with concepts of Einstein and Tesla and the early quantum physicists who talked about how everything is energy and that the secrets of the universe, Tesla said, are found in energy, frequency, and vibration. What does that mean to you in your practice of medicine and psychotherapy? Well, it's correct. I mean, uh, everything is energy. I mean, and, uh, uh, in my practice of medicine, uh, I developed the concept of metabolic cardiology, which is really uh, an energy focus where we're using targeted nutritional supports to drive energy in a preferential direction. And when it comes in to heart disease, which is my specialty, uh, people with heart failure, for example, which I saw all the time, day in and day out of my practice, heart failure is simply an energy-starved heart. So uh, one of the best ways of treating heart failure, uh, which my con conventional colleagues would do, is would be to give pharmaceutical drugs. What I used to do was give nutraceutical support to drive ATP in a preferential direction. And I was amazed when um, so many of my patients improved on CoQ10 and carnitine and D-ribose and magnesium, because whenever you generate adenosine triphosphate or the energy of life, uh, this supports vital force, and uh, whenever you support vital force, you're really supporting, you know, life in general. So, um, one of the one of the best ways that I know of 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 really improving our chi energy, our prana, our our breath of God, you know, the Hebrews and the Christians used to call that, uh, or really vital force, 
is by not only eating healthy, but also taking targeted nutritional supports that drive ATP. You know, I feel like we are a world that's been steeped in Newtonian thinking for a very long time. And I'm really excited to see uh, principles of quantum physics uh, making their way into biology and study of medicine. And you've been a real leader in that. Can you talk a little bit more about the impact of these quantum physicists on on your practice of medicine and, and also psychology? Well, I, you know, I've just met so many messengers in my entire life. I mean, I just can't tell you how many I met. And uh, they've been so instrumental in in really aligning me uh, or, or say, or, or getting me on the path more, more traveled. You know what I mean? We always have decisions in our lifetime. You know, a person is placed in our path for a reason, but we may listen to this person. We may not. Uh, and in, in my case, um, I, I really think a lot of my life has been programmed. And when I met Tommy Rosa and, and we wrote the book, health revelations from heaven and earth, I, you know, I realized much of my life was programmed. So when I met, but, you know, very special people early on, uh, it had a great impact on me. So the interesting thing about being a doctor is it never ends. It never ends. And uh, you're always learning. The only <laughs> disparaging part I can say about being a doctor is it may take 40, 50, 60, 70 years to learn. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're at the end of your life. So um, the, the the beauty of my specialty is that I'm always learning. I'm always uh, trying to figure out, you know, new aspects of healing people. I bring in new things to the table and uh, energy medicine is just, you know, one of the areas where I just feel I have very much to offer. Yeah. You're, you're always pioneering. And I almost laughed when you said that, that you feel like after 40, 50 years, you finally have this, you know, body of, you know, not just academic knowledge, but this life experience. And suddenly like all the spokes start to connect and things start to come together. And that's when you have the most to give. I love to spend time with elderly people, like people 80 and 90, because they, they make all these connections that we don't. And, and I, and I see you doing that in your career. Tell us about your, you're pushing the boundaries into bioenergetic psychotherapy. Tell us about that. Yeah, I um, my my first exposure to it was um, I was in this Gestalt psychotherapy training program after I received my boards in cardiology. It was a two year program. We were we, we were the start, uh, actually um, learning about Fritz Perls uh, on the West Coast. This was in the late seventies, early eighties, and at the Hartford Family Institute here in Connecticut, a pack of therapists studied underneath them. So I was in their training program and. Um, on the reading list was a book by Alexander Lowen called Bioenergetics. And I have to tell you, Robin, I read the book and I absolutely <laughs> resonated with the message. Here I was like my early 30s and Lowen was in his early 70s. And I ended up going to a workshop he was giving in New York City. It was like 80 people in the room and it was only three Americans in the entire workshop. And, you know, a lot of them were from Europe, South America, China, Australia. And I'm saying to myself, oh, my gosh, all these people traveled thousands of miles to get here. I just drove two hours. I mean, how lucky am I? And um, when I studied with Lowen and I learned about, you know, bioenergetic principles, 
Then I decided to uh, embark on an eight-year training program. So I sort of, now I am a board-certified cardiologist, and now I'm going back into training to learn about body-oriented psychotherapy. So, um, I mean, for me, it was an incredible journey, and it's still continuing, I have to say. I mean, you know, we live in a computerized age, so not everything is healthy. I mean, there are some uh, asynchronous vibrations out there, you know, like, you know, a lot of us uh, have cell phones, we have cordless phones, we have computers. And uh, and remember, a, a, a lot of the vibrations from these, quote, gadgets are asynchronous, and this can cause bodily harm. So it's not all good. So it takes clinicians like you and myself to, to get this message out to people so they really realize that even though you know we live in a very very high vibrational age, not every vibration is healthy for us. Some some are productive, but some can be uh, destructive as well. Yeah, we've been talking a lot on the show and have interviewed a few experts on EMF and this huge you know surge in how many chaotic frequencies that we interact with that make our high, smooth, synchronous vibrations more difficult and, and what to do about it. And so you're, you're out there sounding the alarm and I appreciate that. Um, I think it's a really important work that we have to do, but talk about what bioenergetic psychotherapy is that's different from all these other modalities. What does it have to do with Gestalt and what, what do you do when you work with a, a patient uh, bioenergetically? Well, bioenergetic therapy is uh, actually looking at the energy that's trapped in the body. I mean, you know, Gestalt is sort of like be here now, you know, what's in the present. Uh, and I love the Gestalt uh, therapy. I mean, uh, it was, it was I, I can remember so many times, you know, working with clients and, and being in the program. But what really, what I really resonated with Robin, is that as a medical doctor, as a, as a heart specialist, um, I realized that um, emotions are actually the biggest factors in really depicting disease in people. Um, so going through a bioenergetic program, what I learned about is energy blocks. Uh, for example, um, when it comes to heart disease, if there's an energy block in a diaphragm or in a chest, or like, uh, for example, I wrote the book Heartbreak and Heart Disease about 30 years ago. I was, I was in my early 40s. And um, that came out of my gestalt and bioenergetic training. But um, I realized as a, even as a young heart specialist in my 40s, that heartbreak is an emotion we all experience. Uh, however, you know, some of us experience it more than others. And uh, it's a serious coronary risk factor because when we do have heartbreak, or profound sadness, and we shut off emotions, we shut off tears, we freeze our diaphragm, we don't breathe fully, for example. Uh, you know, chemical changes can occur in the lung, and, um, you know, there's a chemical called thromboxane A2, which uh, can cause clotting of blood. So there's a lot of pathophysiology that can correlate with our emotions. And, uh, and for me, you know, when I was a board certified cardiologist going through a couple of years of Gestalt and then extending into bioenergetics, I just felt, uh, you know, so joyful in the sense that I was being ex exposed to different modalities that can, uh, you know, absolutely uh, create a lot of healing in the body. And I'll tell you this, Robin, one of the things I did as a, as a therapist uh, when I was working with, you know, heart patients is you know just the aspect of sobbing and crying and uh, 
and, and breathing deeply uh, would be so healing for many of my patients where, um, you know, the, the aspect of deep sobbing um, would free up a lot of the rigidity uh, around the heart and the diaphragm and the chest wall. And um, uh, as a heart specialist, I was amazed how, uh, how profound the emotions can be in the overall uh, network of healing the body. Fascinating. I'm going to get your book, Heartbreak and Heart Disease, because um, interestingly, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was what having a broken heart or trauma, loss, grief, the things that we all experience in in a lifetime, how they affect our physical health, because everybody's super preoccupied with their physical health. They just figure that the emotional health thing is something they can't do anything about unless they go to talk therapy and talk it out. Um, I, I really, this is really strange, but I think that you'll, um, I think this will be meaningful to you. I had a lot of trauma a number of years ago, went through a divorce after 20 years. My children were deeply impacted by it. And I, my crier broke. And for six years, I did not cry once, went through a lot of hard things, wanted to cry, felt the sadness as someone was telling me a story, did not cry one time in six years. And then I had um, just a lay person who had studied uh, Brad Nelson's emotion code. She said, I need, I need to do some work on you. And two years ago, she went off by herself. She wasn't even with me and she did some work on me. And she said, so I did some work on you and I did this and that and the other thing. And I'll tell you what, for the last two years... I have been crying and I absolutely agree with you that it's a release. It's a catharsis. It's getting those stuck negative emotions moving through. And I'm glad I can cry. I didn't know how important crying was until I didn't do it for six years. And now it's not like I cry all the time. It's like I cry when crying is needed. Obviously, our body needs it, right? Oh, yeah. I just had a universal chill when you were talking, meaning that the angels have just told me that it's, it's the truth. Um, yeah. I, crying, um, Robin, has, has just saved your life. I can, I can tell you that. You know, remember as young children, uh, we would hear the message, uh, stop crying. It'll give you something to cry about. Oh, I was told that many, many times. That was my childhood. Yeah, that was my childhood uh, as well. And, uh, you know, a lot of us as adults have inculcated that feeling into our bodies. You know, we heard it from our parents and stuff like that. And yet <laughs> it, it, it really is good to cry. I mean, uh, you know, becoming a, a certified bioenergetic psychotherapist, I realized the importance of the involuntary. And that's the key, Robin. It's the involuntary sobbing where you're you're like breathing deeply you're you're crying you're emitting emotion it hurts to cry uh and even the tears you know scientifically we determined that tears contain a lot of endorphins so the even the tears coming out uh is freeing up uh a lot of chemical messages in our body so um when you told me your story i completely resonated with it because crying and going and working with that person that therapist has literally saved your life. I cannot tell you how many people I have seen who have blocked sadness in their lives who have had full-blown heart attacks. So um, when I when I hear your story, uh, I you know I I I feel a lot of, a lot of comfort knowing this because um, once you can get through the deep sadness and live through the sadness and uh, experience the tears and the crying, it's absolutely healing for the body. Absolutely healing. Wow, I. I got chills when you said that has saved your life and that and when you connect that to 
heart attacks. I hope that that impresses the listener that our emotions are signals and and go with them, feel them, go there. Can you? Oh, you have to. It's so important. You know, um, when I graduated medical school, Robin, I was uh, it was in 1972 and um, I never saw a woman in a coronary care unit. So when I graduated, I thought that women didn't get a coronary artery disease. I thought women didn't get heart attacks because I never saw anybody. I never saw a woman. They were always full of men. And then in the um, 80s, I started to see more and more men. I was chief of cardiology at my institution. And then in the 90s, uh, when more and more women were working in the workplace, you know, in the, in the corporate world, um, half the coronary care units were full. Then in the year 2000, I wrote my book, um, Heart Sense for Women, because it was amazing. I was just seeing more and more women with heart disease. And uh, it occurred to me that, you know, if you have to, you know, be like a woman, act like a man and, you know, cry like a dog. I mean, uh, it's, it's just, it, it, there was so many issues around women where in the workplace, they, they would shut off their crying, shut off their tears, become more like a man. Uh, they were working like a dog and uh, they were multitasking at the same time. I can't tell you how many women I saw who were shuffling kids through school, were going through a divorce, taking care of sick parents, working in the corporate world, shutting off their feelings, and yet ended up with hypertension, cardiac arrhythmias, chest pain, even full-blown heart attacks. So, um, you know, I, I really worry about, you know, women in the workplace today because when they become more like a man, then they develop a male-oriented disease, which is heart disease. You know, it's like the red badge of courage. So, um, you know, it's, it's important for us to get this message out. It's perfectly okay for women to work in a workplace. I mean, I, I, I love to see it. But again, um, you know, a woman's greatest gift in thwarting off disease or blocking off heart disease is her softness. And uh, in her softness and in her tears, if she becomes more like a male and becomes more hard uh, in the sense where she shuts off her emotions because you know, I've run workshops, uh, you know, gestalt and bioenergetic workshops where I, uh, when, when women cry, they network with one another. They, they release emotions. They, they, um, they discharge a lot of hormones in their body. But when I worked with men and when we used to measure, you know, urinary catecholamines or urinary adrenaline, it was amazing that men who did not cry had the highest levels of adrenaline in their bodies, highest levels of noradrenaline, had the most heart disease, the most hypertension, the most cardiac pain. And it was just, we reported that in the medical literature. And what it all boils down to, men who don't cry get heart disease. I mean, that's just incredible. And so I'm glad we had this conversation because women now are facing that. So remember, I have no problem with women in the workplace, but a woman, if she becomes like a male, you know, she can develop a male-oriented disease, which is heart disease. So she needs to honor her softness. And remember this, a woman must, must honor her intuition. Because what happens in a workplace, when a woman becomes more and more left-brained, she shuts off this gift that she has, this natural intuition. And that is another situation where she can invite heart disease into her life. Because intuition, I believe, is one of the greatest assets women have over men. 
Wow. I'm having so many interesting awarenesses here. Um, I think this is really important, ladies, because we lead with our heart and we bring a lot to the world. And if the world were run by only men and there weren't any women, that all, all everybody'd be dead. Um, and that's not that men don't bring their greatness too, but there's a yin and a yang there and both are important. And I'm having all this personal awareness because, you know, I was raised with six brothers and I was told that my, I was told later that my mother only wanted brothers and she was a, she also had six brothers and wasn't, wasn't a wanted daughter that they just wanted boys. And so my mother valued stoicism. And if I cried, I got sent to my room and got smacked on the butt on my way out of the room. And so I laugh, but I really should cry because you know, you're telling us that our emotions are at the root of our physical issues as well. Is there more evidence? What more evidence? I want to come back to what is intuition, what that means energetically. I will come back to that question. But what what more evidence is there that these stuck negative emotions are are at least some of the roots of our physical diseases? You know, I mentioned heartbreak and heart disease. I mean, as a heart specialist, you know, I'm I'm privy to high cholesterol and high blood pressure and all these high blood sugars and all these risk factors, but they are nothing when it compares to the emotional blocks we have. I mean, emotionality rules the heart. I mean, I can I can say that with all my heart as a board certified cardiologist and as a psychotherapist that when it when it comes to heart disease, our emotions are very very key in, in not only creating illness in the body, but once we get the idea that emotions can cause problems, then we can see that emotions can take away problems. And, and that's why, you know, supportive psychotherapy, um, you know, working with, uh, with therapists and, and, you know, doing the work. And, uh, in, you know, in your case, for example, when you uh, met with that therapist and you started crying, you literally healed your body. So, uh, uh, you know, that's why I had that aha moment with you because, you know, in your particular situation, all your childhood heartbreaks, you know, you know, you weren't a boy, you were a girl, you, you stuffed your emotions and now you met somebody and, and now you're, you know, you, you got into the crying. So you released all the heartbreaks you had as a child and now you can go on in your life, you know, full blown and, you know, really, you know, teaching others about your journey, which is really, you know, the journey for all of us. We all have the same journey. I'm just having light bulbs going off all over the place and we have to heal from these traumas to be able to move forward. But also on the positive side, I have found that now that my crier isn't busted anymore, I have done videos and Chad here with me who runs my podcast and he also is our amazing filmmaker. We've done videos where I start talking about something that's close to my heart and I start to cry as I do the video. And then I say, okay, Chad, let's just do it again. Let me see if I can do this without the crying. One time I did the video three times and I cried each time because I was talking about a story that was near and dear to my heart about some suffering of one of my children. And finally I was like, okay, just, you know what? Use one of those. And it was one of the most impactful videos I've done. And I've learned I have in meetings with my 22 employees or, you know, in a meeting one-on-one -on -one with one of them, I have found my emotions close to the surface and spilling over. And I only find good things. I only find good things in my connection to others when I let those flow. And, and you know, I think it's like so 1970s that we think that if a woman is expressing her uh, emotions that are, you know, close to the surface, they're, they're not as stuffed as deep as, as our male counterparts might be, that we no longer face the criticism of you're using emotion to manipulate or 
or you're being too much of a girl. That's that's we're done with that. Let's be done with that. I think you would agree. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree. But I would also say this. I mean, there's there's always a sweet spot, you know, I mean, um, for, for many of us, our emotions are the truth. In other words, our tears are the truth. Not for everybody. I mean, sometimes tears can be used, manipul- you know, we can manipulate tears and stuff like that. But for, for most of us in the moment of deep, of deep sadness, and we all have deep sadness, and it, it comes from the roots of our childhood. But for many of us, tears are the truth. And um, uh, I can tell you from being a doctor for more than four decades, um, it's it, the, the emotions are so powerful uh, when it comes to, to the heart. And, and, and look, the, the opposite of heartbreak is love. And uh, um, I have a slide when I lecture on uh, high vibrational living. I saw, show a slide of my dog. Uh, she's a chow. And uh, Robin, I absolutely fell in love with this dog. I've had dogs for years, but this one chow, um, she got who I was. I mean, I had a spiritual connection to this dog. And um, when I would hug this dog, um, I would have this immense joy in my body. And I've always felt that um, when I was around her, that she was healing me. So much, though, for 10 years, when uh, she actually lived 15 years, but for 10 years, I would bring her into my office when I saw patients. And, um, you know, when you're a medical doctor and you create a lot of healing for patients, they love you, they adore you, they hug you, and it's a wonderful feeling. However, sometimes, you know, you have angry patients and sometimes, you know, patients will take their anger out on you despite the fact you know, you're trying to do the best job you can. Um, and I'll never forget when, when I had patients who um, I couldn't fulfill their expectations and, you know, they would they would sort of draw on my energy. So the next patient, you know, I would have an energy loss in between patients where I could not be as good for the next patient because I got assaulted by a patient. When I realized when I had my chow in my office with me and I would just put my hand on her fur, I would catch her vibration. And her vibration is all I needed to go on to the next patient and discharge all the negativity I had from the one before. And you know, it took me years of psychotherapy to realize that. But you know, the the problem with us human beings is that we're all intermingled with each other's energy field. Remember the last time you sat in a movie theater and you sat next to somebody who was having uh, some anger, and all of a sudden you didn't realize you you were trying to realize why you felt a little bit uncomfortable, you know, because our energy field, you know, is displaced from our body, and we can feel the energetic vibrations of of our fellow human beings. So um, I have to tell you, for me, for me as a physician, uh, you know, having a dog in the office was absolutely not only healing for my patients, but very very healing for me as well. I love that. And you've actually said a lot there. You've, you've alluded to the power of negative vibrations from other people who are in those low frequency states of, of fear or anger being probably the lowest being 
you know, we have to, we have to pick, you know, I pick up my kitty. I'm blessed to work from home and I pick up my kitty and I hold her in a very much the same, very powerful, peaceful, calming, healing frequencies because of that energy exchange, because we adore each other, because that, that pure love is so, it's just so strong. And, and then when, when I'm around someone who's really intensely angry or taking it out on me or whatever, sometimes I'll just go lie outside in the grass and just be in contact with earth and grass and getting sun on my skin. Talk about that. And it's, it's. Oh uh, gosh, earth and grounded Robin, you're really getting to all my greatest interests and discoveries. You know, I met Clint over about 15 years ago at a cardiology conference. And, uh, um, when he told me about grounding, I absolutely resonated with it. And um, I, that's what I lectured on in Las Vegas a couple of days ago at the A4M. I, I lectured on the, the beneficial aspects of earthing and grounding. But, but I have to tell you, Mother Earth has an energy. You know, we call it the Schumann effect. It's about 7.83 hertz. But whenever you lay on the grass or walk barefoot on grass or on concrete or in um, you know, I live in Florida half the year and I, I walk the beach almost every morning I can. And when you take in the energy of, of Mother Earth, this human energy, it literally um, gets displayed throughout all our uh, energy circuits. And, um, you know, we have the K1 point in the foot that connects with all our meridians in our body. And when you take in this natural Earth energy, this vibrational energy, it does enormous things for the body. Uh, it does incredible healing things. It thins our blood. It regulates our autonomic nervous system. It helps to regulate cortisol. Um, it supports heart rate variability. And we've published a lot of these papers. So um, one of the most primitive and easiest ways of healing the body is just putting your bare feet on the ground. And, uh, uh, you know, um, years ago, I would tell my patients, if you think you're having a heart attack, call 911 and chew a couple of aspirins. Now I tell them, if you think you're having a heart attack, do that. But you know, if you're waiting for the ambulance, just go outside and put your bare feet on Mother Earth, because that itself can help to dislodge, help to to dis dislodge or penetrate a clot in our heart that is causing a heart attack. And in our experiments on grounding, we've showed that you know simple um, grounding to the uh, vibration of the earth can thin the blood, you know, 270%, you know, in a period of within 45 minutes. So, you know, grounding to the earth is absolutely healing uh, for the body. Fantastic. And in my work with people, I say, get as much of your body in contact with the earth as you can after something traumatic happens. And while you're there, while you're there, take some deep breaths and, get your skin in contact with sun and go into a gratitude meditation on your way out, drink a glass of water. So talk about the impact of so grounding. How about charging? How about what is, what is being in the sun do for us? Why do we feel so amazing when we're in the sun? Well, sun is good. I mean, it's, it's, um, uh, you know, a lot of people are sun phobic because, you know, of skin cancer and stuff like that. And they use sunblocks and, and uh, by the way, a lot of sunblocks cause skin cancer. I mean, uh, I'm an example of it because I, I do a lot of fishing in, 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 in the southern waters. But I have to tell you, I mean, um, the sun is very, very healthy, but we, we need the sun. I mean, you know, some people that do sun gazing, for example, I, um, I, I did a little sun gazing uh, on, my, on my websites and I instructed people how to do it. 
you know, it's very, very healing. I mean, being in the sunlight for a half hour a day is absolutely healing. The problem is we've become very, very sun phobic, you know, but sunlight, <laughs> sunlight is amazing. It's just very, very helpful to you. I mean, not only does sunlight invigorate, you know, vitamin D, because, you know, whenever we hit sunlight in the skin, you know, uh, it combines with the cholesterol in our skin to form vitamin D3, which is absolutely healing for the body. And a lot of people, Robin, have low vitamin D levels. I have to tell you, I mean, I, I used to test vitamin D levels all the time. And, you know, whether you're battling cancer, you need a vitamin D level of over 90. Uh, a lot of people have, you know, vitamin D levels in the 20s and 30s, which is very, very low. I like to see a minimum vitamin D3 level of, of at least 60. And I'd rather push it into the 70s. So not only do I recommend, you know, daily sunlight for people, but I also recommend uh, daily, you know, f you know, four to 5,000 units of vitamin D as well. Yeah, I mean, you're contradicting the whole sunscreen industry and what dermatologists were saying 10 years ago, even some dermatologists are saying, okay, I think I think we do need sun exposure for what you, for the reason you said we need the vitamin D. It, you said it combines with cholesterol it forms vitamin D3 on the skin. So glad that you talked about it. You know, in our conversation, you've said the word resonate three times. You've said, I resonate with. And so I wonder if you could talk about that because I think it's a word that's in the the popular vernacular or lexicon, both vibe and resonate are words that people talk about, but you and I have, you know, really made it a lot of our our life's work to talk about what does it mean to resonate? What are we what do we resonate with and what does that mean? Well, for me, when you when you resonate with something, uh, not only is it the truth, uh, but it can be absolutely healing. I mean, um, you know, resonate is a is a very very strong word, but for for me, when I resonate with something, uh, for for me, it means truth. And um, uh, you know, it's like what I talked about before when you sit next to a person in a the movie theater who's seething with anger, for example. When you resonate with that toxic energy, yeah, it's the truth, it, and 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 you're feeling that 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 what what I call it's an asynchronous or it's a chaotic vibration. So you know, whenever vibrations are not synchronous or if they if they are chaotic, you know, you may develop a resonance, and that resonance we would like the resonance to be you know synchronous with our body. But I'll tell you, the electromagnetic resonances that you talked about before, you know, cordless phones, um, cellular phones, uh, these discordant energies uh, are asynchronous and uh, they can cause profound changes in the body. I mean, um, what people need to realize that everything is vibration in the earth. You know, I mean, uh, everything vibrates. You know, we, we live in, in an electrical universe where everything is interconnected. And as a heart specialist, I see that all the time. I mean, I can tell you this. I mean, um, e even take people's teeth, for example. I mean, every tooth lives uh, has a different meridian on the body. And as a heart specialist, I can tell you, I would see people with what we call um, arrhythmia or PBCs who had a discordance or, or, or like they, they would have their meridians interrupted because they had certain teeth that were pulled. So, I mean, it's, we, human beings are not just flesh and blood. We are vibrational beings. And um, um, in the universe we live in, um, <laughs> the best vibration, we discussed it, is love. 
Uh, and I'll tell you this, you know, if people can love more, uh, whether it's a love of religion, a love of your cat, a love of a dog, a love of a spouse, a love of a child, a love of a job. In other words, when you, when you really feel the vibration of what you're doing, when you feely feel in sync with what you're doing, uh, to me, that increases the vol- voltage of cells. And whenever you increase the voltage of cells, you're, cre- you're creating the vital force in those cells. And I'll tell you, Robin, I don't see people with heart disease who have vibration uh, in their cells or have a lot of love in their cells. I just don't see it, you know? And I asked fellow cardiologists this question, have you ever seen people in love with an animal, a job, a spouse, an entity? You know, have you ever seen people in pure love who've developed a heart attack? And the more cardiologists I ask this question and they say, you know something, I haven't, you know? That doesn't mean that you know every person with a heart attack is devoid of love, but to me, it suggests that you know um, not living authentically or not living um, you know in a in a state of 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 high vibrational uh, love, you know, could be a risk factor for heart disease. You've said that in medical school you learned about the microvoltage of cells. And traditional medical research and practice hasn't done as much with this as they should. But you you have said that it's been shown that diseased cells have far lower microvoltage than healthy cells. Tell me about that. Right. Yeah. I actually learned that my senior year at college when we were, uh, you know, looking at protoplasm. And I it really struck me that uh, cells with uh, lower voltage can be sicker cells. And then in cancer, we know that the micro voltage of cells, you know, drops into the 20s or 30s. And then there was a report by MIT researchers that I saw recently, which really, I really resonated with. That's that word again, you know, that the word resonance means the truth, you know? And um, these MIT researchers looked at red blood cells in patients with blood diseases like malaria. And what they found was that the voltage of these cells was diminished by about 20 millivolts. Um, and you know, when red blood cells live about 120 days in the body, but when the voltage drops, they'll live less. And um, um, it's it's really important for us to realize that you know we are electrical beings. So if you can improve the voltage of your cells, now I think love will make our cells vibrate. That's energetically. But you can also improve the voltage of your cells by taking you know coenzyme Q10, for example. Uh, ribose, D-ribose, magnesium, turning on ATP, adenosine triphosphate, you know, the energy of life. And, uh, you know, whenever you add, you know, these nutritional um, components to help to broaden, you know, the energetic aspect of our cells where the vibration does increase, well, that increases health as well. So, you know, when I, when I always talk about health to patients, you know, there's there's emotional health, there's vibrational health, there's nutritional health. So if you can bring all these aspects to the table, you know, now you can create, you know, uh, a being, for example, that uh, can use all these more de- modalities, whether it's nutritional, vibrational, energetic, emotional, spiritual energies, whatever they are, you know, they all fit into the matrix of healing. Just to repeat that for the listener, if you were wanting to know what the three supplements are to increase voltage in your cells, CoQ10, D-ribose, and magnesium. 
it would be fun for any of us listening to get those four supplements and see, see what happens. Take it for 30 days and see if you, uh, if you notice a difference and can you give us three or four actionables, simple things that a regular person can do to increase the voltage in our cells, which absolutely makes us higher vibration people? Yeah, that that's a great question. And, uh, I will say this, there are certain things people can do to increase their vibration. Let me give you the, the simplest one that I learned at, at an ogre, a, a yoga ashram. You know, being a heart specialist, I, I, I work with a lot of um, what we call heart rate variability. It's, a, it's the B2B analysis of your heart and you want more variation between the beats. You know, the more variation, the healthier your heartbeats are. In other words, we don't want a rigid heartbeat going like, you know, at the same cadence all the time. You want variability between those heartbeats because the more variability, the more health you have. So um, it was amazing. Um, I had my heart rate variability apparatus. I was at a yoga ashram. I was teaching down there in the Bahamas. I go down there every year just to uh, spend a week. And um, I was doing heart rate variability analysis on some of the students. And then I did it on the yogis. And what I found was that the yogis had this incredible heart rate variability. And uh, every day we were doing alternative nostril breathing with our meditation and stuff like that. So this is an amazing story, but I was uh, meeting with a heart rate variability specialist in New Jersey when I was, when I was uh, leaving the yoga ashram down at Nassau. So I, I flew in and I rented a car and then I got lost. And uh, I was an hour late for my appointment because she had this specialized equipment that I was interested in far beyond my equipment about heart rate variability. And she said to me, she says, your heart rate variability is very disturbed because she had to monitor on me. Can you do anything right now to improve it? And I said, you know, uh, I'm sorry I was an hour late. I got lost. I've been traveling all day. I'm under stress. Let me do alternative nostril breathing. So I, I started the breathing to the count of four and one nostril to the count of eight. I was switching back and forth. And immediately, immediately, Robin, my heart rate variability became normalized. Uh, and then when she printed out the, the print for me, it was an instantaneous aha moment where I realized that when, when I was breathing in, you know, uh, the alternative nostril breathing, my heart rate variability is the truth, so it totally calmed down my body, so my autonomic nervous system and my parasympathetic nervous system were now balanced. So when you ask me four things, I would tell your listeners, because I saw this with the science right in front of me, I was hooked up to a monitor. In fact, I should probably write this up in a journal as a case study. But like when you ask me what you can do to improve the situation right now at this very moment, I would say do alternative nostril breathing is number one because I saw it work. It's amazing. All right. Absolutely. So let's get a little bit technical about it. The funny thing is, is I learned that type of um, prana yoga or whatever it's called from a Hindu monk at an ashram also. And it, it involves almost violent, uh, not violent, but just really forceful exhaling while covering up one nostril. Do you have anything more to add to that? Well, yeah, in other words, you were doing a most, a more advanced, uh, you were doing uh, Bastrika, I believe, where you're you're breathing out on the exhale and you're going, 
you know, you're breathing out and, you're, and, and your uh, diaphragm is going out at the same time. Yeah, that's another form of breathing that uh, the yogis do. But the alternative nostril breathing is very simple, Robin. Um, if you take your forefinger of your right hand and put it on your nostril, you're just breathing through the left nostril to the count of four, like so. Hold it. Now breathe out through the count of eight. Switch nostrils. So you breathe out through the count of eight. Seven, eight. Now breathe in through the same nostril to the count of four. Hold it and out through the other nostril on the count of eight. And then in through that same nostril to the count of four, out through the other nostril on the count of eight. So that's very simple alternative nostril breathing. Uh, doesn't require any stress, any work. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's not like the forced exhalations. That's another form of, of breathing, a more advanced form of breathing. But uh, alternative nostril breathing absolutely regulates heart rate variability. I mean, CMI tracing was all the proof I needed. And uh, it balances the autonomic nervous system. Fascinating. I'm totally going to give this a try. So variability of heart rate. Uh, really normalizing your heart and getting that variability going with this alternative nostril breathing. What else you got? I think ground, we talked about grounding. I think grounding is one of the best ways of balancing a, uh, you know, an autonomic nervous system that's on uh, high charge. For example, we talked about crying. I think crying is one of the best ways of releasing the all we, all the internalized heartbreak we all have. So when we cry, we, we, we won't let the heartbreak lead to heart disease. Have you ever cried or have you ever laughed so much that you cried? <laughs> it's the best. It's the best I, feeling ever. Laughing release, releases endorphins. And when people can laugh so hard, they actually had, can have a crying uh, mechanism elicited. And it's again, it's the body's internal mechanism of healing itself. You see, the body has an internal wisdom. The body knows how to heal itself. So if you're doing an involuntary motion like laughing, then all of a sudden you start crying and you don't know why, it doesn't matter why. The body has the intrinsic knowledge the body knows how to heal itself, so the body will do things spontaneously. So whenever you have a spontaneous movement in the body, well, then it's just, you know, healing. So intriguing. Lack of forgiveness they have found, which is a big part of their neurofeedback training, is in the way of our growth and our happiness, our living in the alpha waves. What do you think about that? Oh, it's absolutely true. Everything you said, I completely resonate with. I mean, um, forgiveness is key. I mean, even when you keep yourself on the hook, when you cannot forgive, I think when, when one human being can forgive another, that puts us on a very, very high vibration. What blocks our vibration and our true aliveness is the inability uh, to forgive other people where we hold grudges. When you hold a grudge, you're keeping yourself on the hook for heart disease. Forgiveness will heal. Oh, I'll get a chill on that one. You know, the angels are letting me know we're, we're both on the right track. But uh, whenever you can forgive somebody, you're, you're actually healing your own body. I mean, forgiveness is one of the keys to life and, you know, feeling our vitality. And, and, and whenever you forgive, it's the truth. It's the truth. Your truth. My truth. 
you know, you're an international treasure, Dr. Sinatra. We're going to put your your books and many of these pearls of wisdom that we've been so grateful to get from you in this in this interview. I'm very, very grateful. We'll put them in the show notes, everyone. And um, Dr. Sinatra, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can learn more. Oh, you know, I mean, I have a lot of websites. I mean, the website that I'm really excited about now is Vervana, V-E-R-V-A-N-A.com. Um, you know, I used to make vitamins and minerals uh, for years. I've worked with Healthy Directions and I, my DrSinatra.com is, you know, a lot of, you know, that's a commercial website. That's a lot of vitamins and minerals. But because of the GMO situation and, uh, you know, all the preservatives and insecticides and pesticides and foods, I'm going back to the Greek mythology, but like, you know, in the, in, 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 the, in the days of ancient Greece, when those Olympic runners were, were running, you know, they took in bee pollen, the energy from the sun, for example, and it was very, very healing. And, and what I want to do is, is try to get back to nature again and, and bring very simple foods like olive oil and pasta sauces and, and you know, like high protein pastas and and just, you know, or even even honey, for example, you know, from the honeybee, you know, just bring these uh, natural foods back where, um, you know, we can just increase the vibration of our cells and our bodies. So, you know, my Vervana website is my food business. My DrSinatra.com is my vitamin. Uh, and then I have HeartMDInstitute.com, which is just purely informational. And, um, I, you know, I just feel that you know, I'm blessed in my life because I just feel like I'm always learning and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bringing all these modalities to the table. And I, you know, my, my, my quest is that, um, I hope that through this interview that you and I are doing and, you know, a lot of my other teachings and stuff like that is, I, I just hope we can bring a lot of healing to our fellow human beings. Me too. And, uh, we went deep here on a lot of psychosocial and, you know, grounding and, uh, emotional issues. And, and I wanted to, but, uh, Dr. Sinatra is also an expert in nutrition and all of the aspects that relate to living a higher vibration life. I hope you and I do a lecture tour someday. That's definitely been a big part of my career is big lecture tours. And so I just want to thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your very busy day. I know that you're in high demand, but thank you so much for the amazing things that you shared with us today, Dr. Sinatra. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. 